Welcome to episode four. You're going to be listening to myself, Joe, and Brahim Balut, um, board member of the Federation. We'll introduce him properly. Hope you enjoy the episode. Make sure you listen to it all the way to the end. Interesting story about a mouse. So, episode four of Conversation with uh, Kareem and Joe. Uh, today we've got uh, Ibrahim Balut, uh, Bobby, Bobby Valentino, Bobby V, um, national team member before he uh, retired recently. Uh, probably the, the mean king, as we call him in the, uh, in the WhatsApp group. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Bobby. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Is it official now that I retired? Oh, it's Kay's oh, yeah. making the announcement. <laughs> my mate, my mate, Bob Balut. Uh, that's why I'm I'm the first guest here. <laughs> <laughs> that's what Steve <laughs> told me. <laughs> we only had the five players, to be fair. One more year. <laughs> One more year. <laughs> For all of us. Yeah. <laughs> How are you guys? Yeah, yeah that's good, right. How's the Ramadan treating? Uh, it's all all right. Just getting the usual weight during Ramadan. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> are you got to work? Are you working in your office or are you working no, from home? I work from home since I moved to my new job now. Starting, I started in December with my new job, so I work from home when I'm in Lebanon, and uh, I have to travel a lot. But now with the situation everywhere, I'm just stuck at home. This is where the real test of the the, the marriage comes in. Yeah, exactly. No, it's good. It's all good. <laughs> it's is all that good. why you have to buy a big dog? How's the cats? You got a dog? Yeah, I have a dog and two cats now. I like the cats, mate. Yeah, yeah. We're expanding. We're, the, uh... we're expanding. Yeah. I bet your parents are thinking, okay, we love the pets, but when are the real kids going to come along? So uh, we were hoping this summer, but uh, with everything happening in the world, like we said, let's postpone it a bit uh, because it's it's a bit risky now with what is happening in the healthcare system to ri- risk going for a visit to the hospitals for checkups and everything going. So uh, and also you never know what's going to happen with your uh, our jobs. Are we going to sustain this job or something going to happen uh, in this world? So let's wait a bit and. The new uh, superstar is coming for Lebanese rugby. <laughs> the next generation. Yeah. <laughs> Why is uh is someone else pregnant? Yeah. Know about. <laughs> <laughs> Karim, Karim. <laughs> what? what? I, I just, Here we go. Yeah, I just wanted to tell you at the beginning that I hope your interviewing skills are better than your kicking skills in finals. <laughs> oh, it's starting. <laughs> Well, the good thing is I control the podcast, so I'll edit all that out. <laughs> I'm recording here as well, so. All right, <laughs> <laughs> oh, fair enough. So, uh, any cutting, I'll say any bad answer by me, I'll say, no, it wasn't this way. I'll edit it okay. as well. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Okay, Tuma, I'll, I'll hand it over to you first of all with the first topic because you, you're the one that wanted to, you know, who ripped down those topics. Yeah, I guess, one. well, I we guess we just introduced... Bob, current player, still senior player, uh, but also a position on the uh, on the Lebanese Federation Rugby Board. Bob, can you just explain what, what your position is? So uh, for now, I'm a board member of the Lebanese Rugby Board. Uh, my position basically is uh, is voting on the big, uh, big plan of, uh, of Lebanese uh, rugby. Uh, mm. We don't really interfere with uh, what's happening on a day-to-day basis. We just look at the big picture and uh, we judge judge it and we tweak it a bit depending on what is happening. I'm also uh, representing uh, Lebanon rugby in the Arab Federation uh, meetings. Uh, And uh, last year I I used to represent also in some of the Asia rugby meetings, especially the ones that uh, uh, were precedent to the elections that happened in, in November. So what? Uh, how, how? What is the makeup of the board at the minute? How is it? What we have you. Do you represent one club, or were you, were you vote? Were you voted in by your, your club, well, or? Well, the, the the plan initially was that uh, we had a representative of every club on 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 the board, but the way I see it now is that, uh, frankly speaking, uh, 
it's not really a representation for every club. It's more of a representation of what we all as uh, club members and as board members can offer to Lebanon rugby. Because uh, frankly speaking, in the past year and a half, it wasn't very ideal with the situation that was happening uh, in Lebanon. So uh, what we are all trying to do now is survival, just like any sports in, in Lebanon. We are suffering a lot and uh, no personal or club goals. And that was also my my first comment when, when we got uh, to to, uh, to the board meeting. I told them, listen, I might be considered as a representative of Beirut rugby, but I'll be very honest, if anything is uh, against the, uh, the view or the plan and strategy of uh, Lebanon rugby, I'd personally vote uh, for uh, the good of uh, Lebanon rugby. Mm. So I guess at the minute, the main goal is, as you said, just survival. As yeah. First of all, we had the situation with, obviously, the, the protests. And now we've gone straight into the, obviously, issue with the coronavirus. So yeah. what, how, what, what is, what currently is Lebanon Rugby are we doing at the minute? Are you meeting regularly? Are we so just we trying had, to survive? Yeah, we had a meeting three weeks ago on, on Zoom or more than that. It was just a bit to catch up with everything that is happening, especially with Asia rugby, and uh, our plan to uh, to uh, to go for uh, full membership uh, with uh, Port <laughs> Rugby. But uh, so, let's, so let's just explain what the, the so currently we are. Uh, so obviously we compete. We we are members of Asia, the Asia Rugby Federation. Yeah. But at the minute, we're just associate members of, exactly. of World Rugby. So you want to exactly. ex- just explain the difference? So uh, f- uh, the difference is uh, that uh, now, I think, uh, with the full membership, we have more privileges uh, as Lebanon Rugby. We will, uh, we will have a vote. We will have also uh, more funding, and that's what we need. Uh, what I wanted to say previously is uh, the situation was not just... Uh, it didn't just start, uh, let's say, around uh, October with the protest. Uh, we had a bigger issue happening, I think, starting two years ago with the funding for Lebanon rugby. And uh, we were looking to self-sustain the sports without any uh, personal, uh, without any personal, uh, you know, uh, investment from anyone uh, within the federation. Uh, but uh, with the situation that was happening, uh, lack of sponsorship, and then uh, October came in. Uh, we had the uh, economic crisis here in Lebanon, no funding at all, uh, and then you had the COVID-19 issue now. So our goal was basically to to survive. Uh, we couldn't finish uh, the championship right on time. We couldn't do our yearly program for now not for women's rugby, not even for uh, junior rugby, not even for men's rugby. So uh, we're behind on our schedule, just like any sports. And the problem is also uh, we don't have any government uh, governmental support f- uh, for now. And uh, this is not only for uh, rugby. This, 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 this is happening this year for all sports in Lebanon. For example, you have uh, football and uh, basketball, two sports that were previously funded by major companies here and by the by the government uh, don't, doesn't have any sponsorship this year they didn't play uh, any game this year and many players left the country to play outside and that will also be a problem with for the national team for football for uh, basketball and of course for rugby so it's just a situation that is happening unfortunately to to the whole sports uh, uh, industry here in, in Lebanon. We don't know how it's going to be. We're hoping for the best. And uh, uh, frankly speaking, now with funding, it will be very hard for us to, to find a sponsor within the country. So uh, uh, we'll get into that maybe with uh, during the interview. Furthermore, mm. um, yeah, sorry, James, I'm sorry for interrupting you. Bob, but one thing I want to say, okay, so this might get, this might turn quite controversial, but it doesn't matter for me. Um, let's presume that everything in the situation in the country okay. is good. Let's presume there's no COVID nineteen. Let's presume that there's no um, uh, uh, unrest on the streets. No, no violence. There's a healthy backing of finances. Let's see, we're in a, we're in the the, the best possible yep. situation. 
Do you think the current board are, do, are the right members to lead Lebanon rugby in the right direction? Uh, yeah, we have a, a good uh, board, I think. Uh, we just need... I think the funding is the biggest issue that we have because whatever, whatever you do, whatever plan you have on, on your mind, whatever you are planning to do, if you don't have funding, it will all fail. Uh, we, we, this year, we tried to have funding from players uh, or to organize tournaments where players from uh, within a small pool will go and pay for, uh, to, to play these tournaments or pay to, uh, uh, to participate in, in events or maybe organize some, uh, some, uh, some events where we can, get, uh, uh, we, we can get sponsorship or we can get funding from uh, players or their families. Uh, the way I see it is this is not sustainable. Uh, let's go back to your, to your question. I think uh, on the board, you have a mix of uh, ex-players, you have a mix of businessmen, you have a mix of people that were involved in, in, in the game. What I would like to see more on the board are uh, doers, not uh, people just, you know, being, uh, and that's, uh, frankly speaking, I would like to see more people that are, uh, you know, doing a job rather than just, you know, being theoretical about things. Uh, but also, yeah. to be honest, uh, everyone has his own job. We are all uh, volunteers. We are all trying our best. Uh, I'm talking about the board. Uh, even uh, people that are involved on a day-to-day -day basis uh, were not paid for the past year. Uh, they were limited on, on budget. They were limited on what they can do for the sport. So uh, I think what I would like to add to, to the board that we have are people that are more involved in the game and more involved in doing things on the ground, developing the game, going to the ministry, knocking on doors, we need more of that. Of course, it's not perfect. Of course, it's it's not you know ideal uh, with what we have now. Uh, something else that or uh, that I would like to see uh, on this board is uh, let's let let me be a bit honest about what is happening. My my problem with rugby in Lebanon uh, for the past few years is that uh, we are importers of uh, of knowledge and importers of information from other uh, experiences with other uh, federations. Uh, Lebanon is a very unique uh, country. So uh, to develop a sports here, you need to understand the culture. You need to understand people because you know it very well, Karim, Joe, you might know it. If you organize a big tournament such as ARC, if, if you do it in Jordan, you will probably get 100 volunteers coming to help. If you do it in Lebanon, no one will come. You will probably have five to ten volunteers at maximum. This is something more related to the culture. So we need a lot of people that will be on board that understands this culture so they can motivate people to participate in tournaments to help. Uh, we need to understand that uh, uh, unfortunately in this country if there's no benefits to someone to participate in something, they will not do it. This is the situation. Let's be frank. Uh, nobody likes to volunteer in anything. So we need to, to have someone that knows how to work around our culture. How they say, think global, act local. You can import this knowledge, but you also have to understand the situation we have. And that's where we failed in the past, I think. So, so Okay, so for someone who could do that, in what role would they take? Because obviously, currently, right now, our CEO is Lebanese, so he knows how what the situation is like. Everyone on the board is Lebanese, so they know what the situation is like. So, who else could be in? What position would that person be to to that would make such a significant difference? Uh, it doesn't matter what position that someone can be, because I'm not, I'm not talking about persons here. I'm more talking about uh, the the whole uh, the whole approach that we have on board. Uh, we need, uh, it, it is the right. approach, to be honest. It's not about people involved in 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 uh, in uh, Lebanon. So who's approaching it the wrong way? So who's approaching it the wrong way? As a board, completely, as a, or as a federation? No, as a, as a federation, starting from the players. I'll be honest, from from the players yeah. to the board members to uh, those involved in in coaching, those involved in tournaments, those involved. Everyone involved is just trying to import ideas from outside the country and implement it here. 
if, if you look at junior yeah. rugby in Lebanon, for example, I'll, if you look at junior rugby in Lebanon, uh, it's one of the most successful uh, probably uh, uh, institution within Lebanon rugby. Yeah. But what is the problem of, of junior rugby now? How many pure Lebanese do you see playing with junior rugby in, in, in five, ten years? Uh, if these families move outside Lebanon, what will happen to junior rugby? So if we are looking for development, we need to look at how other sports implemented a very successful plan here in Lebanon where they went to, let's say, uh, uh, schools or, uh, you know, uh, now we have a lot of academies here or let's target people that are, you know, uh, at uh, the... Uh, uh, talk with regular people, not just people coming from good schools, because uh, what we suffered in the past few years, we went to the best schools in Lebanon, best universities in Lebanon. We implemented the game there. A few years after, when uh, people are 18, they left the country. Nobody played rugby after that. When they left the university, everyone left, left the country. We have a lot of people leaving the country to study abroad or to work abroad. Once they leave the country, they might not be uh, following the sports because it was just an activity that they enjoyed at school or they enjoyed at, uh, at, uh, at university. So we need to go also and target other individuals, uh, people that, that are, you know, just from, from a class that, yeah. uh, that are not well, uh, well off and that would love to give to the sports and where rugby will be like, uh, like their gate to express themselves. I think that should be our target in, if we need to, 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 uh, to move forward with the, with the game and if we need to move outside Beirut. Because one of the issues we have now with uh, Lebanon rugby, I think, is that it's too focused in, 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 in Beirut. We don't have really uh, any success story outside Beirut. And it's just a game that now uh, that is played with the people that are well off, unfortunately. Most of them, of course, not everyone. Mm. Yeah. No, I understand. Yeah, you, you, you're right. It, it, is, it is the schools that we all know, the IC, the ATS, yeah. the Jumanas, Jumhur. So, it, yeah, so I understand where you're coming from. No, you're right. Um, okay, so <clears throat> on the board again, because I don't want to move away too far from the board. So... I'm not. I'm not. So, I'm not using this platform as, to attack anyone, Karim. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Be nice. <laughs> no, 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 no. Of course not. No. No. Of course not. No. 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 I'll do the attacking. No, I'm joking. Um, no. So, so as board members, in, initially, were you there as to um, create a plan for Lebanon rugby, or was it to just govern the CEO who creates a plan for you? No. Uh, uh, we didn't create the plan. The strategic plan ourselves it wasn't our 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 job to do uh, and yeah in the end in the end we are executive okay. members okay. executive board so our plan is to judge okay. uh people that are involved in in in, uh, in, uh, in rugby we are here to to judge the plan yeah. and fortunately with the plan that we had in mind one major issue and every time we were meeting every time we were talking about the plan we have we we had a major problem is that we always had a negative balance uh, for us. So when your hands are tight, you can't really express yourself and do anything. It, it will all be theoretical. Uh, my, my, my perspective is, first thing is, uh, in the end, I'm a businessman. Uh, I, I know how things work. First, first things that we need to do is to find a way to get money. Uh, even with the new people that are proposing new plans with the Australia rugby, with uh, the Lebanese side of Australia rugby, with, with all that. If they can bring money here, we, can, we don't need anyone. I mean, we have enough talent here to develop uh, the game. I think if we have, we have the funding, let's give it a year and judge based on that. Uh, other than that, I don't think we, so we, we, we will be uh, doing any, any job. So, Bob, what if, let's say somebody came in, a sponsor with, um, you know, funding career, what is the, what are the things that we'd like to do that we can't do? Develop uh, the game here locally. Uh, the plan was two, two, three years ago, I remember just previous, uh, previous to when we played ARC here in, in Lebanon. Uh, if you remember, 
Uh, our plan was that we wanted to play the game in Lebanon. We organized a big, uh, we organized a big uh, tournament here. We had a sponsor. It was a very successful tournament. And then we wanted to focus on developing the game locally. We need to attract. So we paid. We paid for a TV to to come and broadcast the game. We paid for uh, for uh, for a for a good hotels and good uh, to organize a very good tournament for a very good field. So we tried to organize everything to be professional. But in the end, when we spent all that budget on one single tournament, that tournament was seven days here in Lebanon, eight days here in Lebanon. Uh, everyone left the country. We had a bit of of exposure, but. For me, if, if you calculate the return on investment, for me, it was it was nil. So the way I, I see it is, first, you need to develop coaches here. You need to develop academies. Let's go, for example, to an ac academy like Hoops, like uh, I don't know any, any academy here. And if you offer them that uh, we pay for the coach for the first three months, and then they give us the field for free, and we try to imp implement uh, developing sessions with kids get into rugby at uh, these academies i think after three months we will have 500 1000 players coming to these academies if we organize five six academies around around lebanon we can do that so instead of spending that money on a single tournament let's get that money and go get get coaches train them okay uh, let them be trainers as well let them go to to teach uh, other coaches and let them go around around uh, the country and teach kids, we pay them uh, that sum. This way we can develop the game better, in my opinion. So would that be someone full-time, yeah. so Lebanese, ex-players? Yeah, of course, of or... course. We have, a lot of, we have a lot of players here in, in Lebanon that are willing. Unfortunately, a lot of players couldn't find a job because of the, of the uh, economy. Uh, so they had a degree and they didn't uh, work. Uh, so they are looking for something maybe uh, uh, on the side as a job. And also, if you go and target, we have a lot of uh, physical education universities where we can go and try to implement rugby as part of the physical education program. If we, if we target these universities and we go to the coaches there and we tell them that uh, we will we will give you a, a f uh, we will give you a, a certificate and we will uh, we'll t we will train you to be a coach. And then in return, you have to give probably 50 hours of uh, free training. They will do it. They will get the experience that they don't have on their CV. They will get the, uh, the certificate that they don't have. But in return, to maintain this certificate, you need to, to, uh, to work for it. Uh, this was our problem. I'm one of the, of the people that, have, uh, uh, that had a certificate uh, from World Rugby. But probably I, I did some coaching and then stop doing that so a lot of people are similar to me they just go for to get a certificate hoping that maybe i will be a coach someday if things doesn't work my way i will try to see what i can do but did we monitor these people did we follow up with them what happened after this i think that's where we are failing we organized probably a couple of uh, coaching degrees uh, coaching certificates and coaching uh, workshops here in lebanon level one, level two, but what happened? Even with the referees, we were relying on a couple of ref referees here because uh, getting a, a certificate in refereeing is something, but also, you know, uh, refereeing a game is something else. I think if we start by getting those people who had their certificate and start with junior rugby, so they also work on themselves, they can gain experience. And in a year, you will have maybe 10, 15 coaches five, ten referees. That's how you develop the game. So so, so the people that did yeah. these coaching badges like yourself and just walked away and the people that did the refereeing badges and just walked away, why are they walking away? Is it because we have, there's people in the Federation not speaking to them constantly or giving them opportunities to coach or they just did it because there was something to do and they decided to walk away on their own. What, what, like, for example, why did you walk for, away? Uh, for you, me, it's different like, because uh, rugby was always something that I do for fun, to be honest. Uh, it, it, it wasn't my goal to, to, right. to be a coach. It wasn't my goal to be a board member. I'm doing this just as a volunteer. My focus was always on my career. That's where I would like to focus. 
but uh, for other people, you have the problem is is divided in several parts. Uh, one part is that, for example, if uh, if you look at uh, at uh, the teams that we have, uh, we have around four four teams here in Lebanon uh, that doesn't have really a solid coaching basis uh, for the past few years. Some coaches came, some coaches left, but we didn't have a steady training program for every 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 team. And for junior rugby, there are two people that are managing junior rugby. Uh, we didn't offer a lot of, of opportunity for these new coaches and these referees to be involved in those programs. So we need to, I think, just few coaches were involved with junior rugby, uh, few coaches were involved in uh, with the uh, with the uh, junior rugby that were training at Semilfield, but they didn't get enough uh, opportunities to to develop their skills, and they left. You wouldn't want, if you get if you get your certificate in level yeah, one, you wouldn't uh, want to to start with coaching Beirut, or you you wouldn't want to start coaching Jamhur immediately. You will try to start somewhere where you can coach maybe Beirut B, uh, Jamhur B, uh, the women's rugby, or maybe, uh, I don't know, uh, junior uh, Jamhur. But if you look at Jamhur, for example, uh, coaching, the women's coach is maybe the same as the men's coach. Uh, with Beirut as well, you have Robin coaching the ladies' team and coaching the men's team now. So uh, not a lot of people also are willing, are willing to step up and that's something related to the culture as well. We go back to the same issue. Uh, a lot of people will be saying that, okay, we will do the job, we will go for it. But then after a few uh, sessions, if they are, they are not paid, they lose motivation, they lose it a bit. So they stop, uh, they stop that. Yeah, I, I, think, I think the biggest thing for us is... You know, I think what we've learned, especially the, the the last few years with having certain people in the Federation, <clears throat> certain people leave the Federation, is that even if you've got money, even if you've got a, an I, I endless amount of properly, money, Karim, if you, you haven't got the your right voice people... voice is a bit shaky, so it's, sometimes it's good. No. Is that better? No. How's that? Tuma, can you hear him? Uh, it's, no, it's the same. It's, it, I think sometimes yeah. it comes in and out, like I said before, Karim, I think your headphones. But I think what Kareem was, yeah, my headphones. I think what Kareem was saying is, um, even if with an endless amount of money, if you don't have people with the motivation, with the passion, or the right people in in place, of it course. doesn't work. So I guess the key is finding those right and people. And the key, and and the key for me is to be here in Lebanon, to be here on the ground, following. Oh, following, absolutely, yeah. Following everyone, uh, you can't just manage Lebanon rugby sitting outside Lebanon and just sending uh, emails. Uh, this is a job that needs no. yeah making podcasts. <laughs> if you need to develop them on a rugby, you need to be or, 30, or, or thirty minutes yeah, away, maybe. or thirty minutes away on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you're right. I mean, I'd love to, you know, if I was there, do do you know in my evenings, do a coaching, do do anything. I can. you know, I've always tried, even though you know, being remote in the UK to do as much as I can, and always always been conscious of stepping on people's toes. Yeah. You know, tr- you know. Um... Well, this is well, this is the problem that this is the problem that I had, Bob. Because I don't know if you, oh, no, you you probably do though. You know, before I left last year, I was obviously hesitant to know if I was coming to London or not. If I was going to, you know, go down this path of what I'm doing now, or staying in Lebanon and focus on something there and doing my coaching. Well, I developed that elite player development program for the federation. Something that it took me. A few weeks to plan out. I worked with that Steve Aboud in Italy, who's uh, an expert in that field. He's worked with, he's done that role, elite player development officer for Ireland rugby for 20 odd years and now Italy rugby. Um, so he helped me work on it and I gave it, I handed it into Sol and Steve, our CEO and our um, director of rugby. And, you know, Steve said to me that we can't afford you, but, you know, we would. Um, we would like you to do it, but I, we don't think that you're ready yet. And I said to Steve, what do you mean I'm, ready? I'm not ready yet? I'm, I've been captain of the national team for 11 years. I've been, I'm the only player that's really played at a high level outside the country. 
Um, I, I, I was the first. Per- I, I, I spoke. I was the first person to start the women's rugby with Mark. Me and Mark was the first person people to start rugby in schools, excluding Jim Hall, because obviously Serge was there for a long time ago. But me and Mark went to um, Collège Protestant and IC. I was like, me and Mark was the first coaches for the under 20s. I took the first women's team to Dubai Sevens. I was like, so what, you know, how much more credibility do I need? And he says, oh, you know, you need to go overseas and learn a little bit more. And then, and what, lo and behold, you know, this is no disrespect to the guy I'm about to mention. Lo and behold, a couple of months later, he gives Wayne uh, Griffiths the, the role of uh, de- development of under 20s and under 18. I'm not saying uh, Wayne isn't qualified, but wouldn't it wouldn't have been better having someone who is Lebanese who was willing to stay there, who has has this experience with the national team squad to lead the under 20s and lead the under 18s, Frankly rather speaking, than say, yeah, oh, I'm not from, qualified. From my side, I'm, I'm not really. Uh... Uh, you know, uh, knowledgeable about the whole situation. But from my side, I would certainly prefer to have yeah. someone Lebanese. Uh, also, you don't qualify as a fully Lebanese. You don't know the, the language. Uh, but... <laughs> but uh, I would certainly prefer someone that we can have here for good, someone that uh, uh, people can understand. He knows the ins and outs of, of, of uh, Lebanese rugby. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't have any comment about what happened because I'm not sure about exactly what happened. I wasn't there. Uh, I heard things from you. I heard things from the other sides. Yeah. Uh, but for me, it's very important to yeah. have someone that is local, working, that is knowledgeable. Uh, you, ha- you, ha- you have a very good experience. You have. I think you are more qualified than... A lot of people that are involved in, in, in Lebanon rugby, to be honest, you are even more qualified than me being on board because you've been uh, exposed to more than anyone else uh, here. Uh, just one thing that I think you lack and that I think you need is a bit of diplomacy, a, a bit of uh, knowledge about how to talk to people and move around, and you will be fine. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I, I, I... Yes, no, you, no, no, you're, no, you're right. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, very honest. it's an issue that it's I, politics. I, I, everything I that you do in learned. life is politics. No, you're right. I don't think you necessarily need someone you're who's right. you're right. Uh, necessarily a local Lebanese or born and raised Lebanese. If you've got someone there um, who's so knowledgeable and passionate and willing and you know motivated, like all those things we discussed before, then it shouldn't really matter. Obviously, like you say, they need to understand as long as they understand the culture, how to speak to people, yeah, how to be yeah, diplomatic, etc. Also, uh, our problem lately is that we want to implement the rugby culture so bad in Lebanon, but we don't have a rugby culture in our society. We don't have the culture of unity in our society. No. We're very... Lebanese, if you look at the Lebanese people, they're very good as individuals. Everywhere you go, you will meet someone very successful as Lebanese. But you don't really find a very successful Lebanese community united anywhere in the world. That's our biggest problem, I think, and that's and rugby is all about unity, and that's where we. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I, I also think we should be able to. Sorry, I, 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 I also think on, I also think we should on, utilize the fact that you know Lebanese are so global. We do have big diasporas around the world, and we should be able to tap into that, you know, financially or uh, from a you know a knowledge point of view as well. You know, we shouldn't we shouldn't disregard that. There should, you know, there should be opportunities out there, sponsors outside of Lebanon as well. You know, obviously we'd love for it to come all inside of Lebanon, but that's to be a bit realistic. There'll be people in, you know, like we say, Australia or the or UK and other places in the world who, you know, feel they want to be connected a bit more to Le- Lebanon or home. As long as that money is going exactly, back into exactly. Lebanon, we, 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 we suffered a bit mm. uh, with the. I think our biggest opportunity outside Lebanon relies in Australia as in terms of funding. But this was this is suffering a bit now because they don't trust putting money in any institution in Lebanon. They face the mm. problem with rugby league. Yeah. I used to play rugby league, as you guys know, for a long time. And uh, the biggest problem why everyone left rugby league and they didn't follow up on, on rugby league, which was a, be- a big success story in Lebanon at the beginning, uh, is because uh, people who were in charge of Lebanon rugby league didn't use the money that was in Lebanon uh, uh, that was given for rugby league even after the World Cup 
the right way. So sponsors stopped injecting money in our federation. Uh, people stopped following with the game because the money was going somewhere else outside developing the game here in Lebanon. And so people to, to sponsor, they need a good plan and they need someone to trust. If they don't trust you, they will not give you money. And they need to see a return on, on their investment. Any company that you will approach, they need to see, okay, if I give you $100,000 now, what's in it for me? Unless you will see a very successful businessman that is not looking for any benefit. He's just looking to inject money uh, for the good, just like maybe a charity uh, for, for, for uh, Lebanon to see, it, to see the name of, of, of Lebanon rugby, you know, rising in, in the region. But you will not see it coming from a company that is looking for a return on investment because they will find a hundred. We, we, we still don't. We still don't have a very good product to offer to these companies, unfortunately. And we we need to work on on presenting a very good product to attract sponsorship. Yeah. Well, when when we offer, you know, thirty seconds on our <laughs> podcast for you know, a few hundred thousand. But okay, so to create that strategy, strategy, whose whose role is it? Is it the is it the CEO the or role, is it the, the current board? Who, whose role divided, is it to create uh, a, between uh, uh, the uh, the CEO and divided between uh, Steve, uh, who's uh, uh, in charge of uh, developing rugby in 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 Lebanon? So. What help do we get from, so we just going back to one of the original questions I asked about membership. So what help do we get from the Asia Rugby, World Rugby, and how does that change if we become so, full members? Uh, how does, does it change? I think uh, it's not really clear for now because they're changing a lot of things now in World Rugby and in Asia Rugby. So uh, we get a lot, uh, we get few help from Asia Rugby. Uh, we get help from... Uh, 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 from Arab rugby as well, if uh, if we want to organize tournaments here. Uh, but from Asia rugby, I think uh, this year we didn't. We we only received. Uh, uh, I'm not sure about the the right amount, uh, but it all went into operational cost. Uh, we also uh, uh, from World Rugby for now. I don't think we receive any money. Uh, I checked the book uh, this year. I didn't see any. Uh, flow of of uh, of money coming uh, to to uh, Lebanon rugby, uh, full membership of of course uh, will put you on the list of countries that are eligible to to receive uh, uh, higher funding. Also, we are we will be eligible to 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 be exposed more to sponsorship as well because it will be uh, something that we can use uh, uh, to promote. The game that we are full members we can play on a different level level we can maybe also i'm not sure about arc if if we will be allowed to play another division or how, or how it would be uh asia hmm. asia rugby had a, a major change uh, starting uh, in in november and also now uh, world rugby uh, elected their president uh, i think last week so uh, yeah things yeah, are, are changing cool. a bit uh, there is no clear strategy on how things will go this year or, or next year. Uh, to be honest, even even now with Asia Rugby, today we receive guidelines for post-COVID-19 how teams should be or how federations should start, uh, you know, implementing uh, rules to go back step by step to to uh, to to rugby. Uh, unfortunately, with the plans that we had, uh, it all got disrupted by. The crisis that we had in, in Lebanon and now with the COVID-19, even worldwide, let's let's be clear and let's be honest. Uh, we will every federation worldwide will suffer in the next year because what will happen is uh, companies and businesses worldwide are not really having the best moments of their lives now, and what will happen is they will stop injecting money in sponsorship. They will stop probably or reduce the amounts that is giving to Asia rugby, to World Rugby for sponsorship. And you saw that a lot of uh, tournaments like the Olympic Games in Tokyo got cancelled as well. And a lot of uh, tournaments that will be cancelled this year. So uh, I think uh, small federations like Lebanon and other federations that, let's say, they are not tier one federations and are not considered 
uh, full members will suffer the most because they will be the ones that will be neglected, I think, uh, first. So uh, I'm not sure how, how that will be after the new elections, what will be the strategy of World Rugby approaching uh, our federation here or any other small federation. What's the strategy of Asia Rugby? I think uh, we need to wait on, until the COVID-19 is up a little bit so before we can we can uh, decide. So what was I think last time I was kind of involved or asked the, the question about where I mean because I remember you know we couldn't play certain divisions or we weren't you know we won in the same yeah. division three four times and we wouldn't have to be promoted because we weren't full world rugby members. Uh, what was I think the, the criteria we were missing was uh, I think the big things were the home. The yeah. domestic league number of teams yeah. and so, uh, I think a national stadium. They require ten teams so, uh, to have uh, for, like uh, among other re requirements. They require to have ten teams within the uh, the federation. This is something that we are trying to overcome. Uh, so it's a lot of uh, communication back and forth with the with the World Rugby and with the help of Asia Rugby as well. Uh, I think this is uh, something that uh, looking at the size of uh, of uh, of uh, Lebanon, they might be able to, uh, to let's say, uh, you know, pass it, and uh, hopefully uh, mm. we are we are, we are working on uh, finalizing other details that is needed to to submit uh, the file for uh, a full membership. I think the best people to to talk about mm. this will be Manu and uh, I think uh, mm. Steve because they are the ones that working on that file and they know the ins and outs of, of it. Because mm, I've always thought, you know, sometimes I've looked through the, the members and, like, you know, it's hard to make one rule for all. You've got, you know, a country, you know, like England, yeah. with, you know, millions of active players and population and to have them as, you know, put the same guideline as Lebanon, who's just trying to break in, emerging, yeah. and we don't have that amount of people, you know, you know it seems a bit fair. So it's good to see that they're, possibly come into some kind of agreement and, and a world rug of quite, course a world uh, rug we have, we have yeah, a small pool of players major. compared to yeah. any other uh, federation and if you look at the region here if you look at mm. uh, qatar if you look at jordan if you look at uh, uh, if you look at uh, saudi arabia uh, uae is probably the best uh, country here with the number of players but if you look at other mm. any other federation here mm. uh, you are just telling this federation that they will never have a full membership because they don't have the right size of, of teams. And uh, I think uh, this will be a drawback for developing the game in these small uh, countries. But uh, a lot of these countries are important in the world of sports regionally, such as Jordan, Lebanon, uh, in, in other sports. So you are just depriving these teams or these nations from uh, exploring the opportunity to play on a high level uh, in, in, in rugby and uh, it's not about the size of the country as we saw many successful teams in, in world rugby are just small uh, small countries with a population of 2 million, 4 million as, as well mm. yeah yeah, well, look at Tonga. Tonga's population is 140,000. Yeah, they have the culture. Uh, obviously, they have, they have a lot of people overseas, that's, of course. Yeah, right? this is the culture. It's the, you know, the national sport. Everyone there grows up and plays rugby, you know. No, I get, I, I get, I get that completely. But what I was want to go back to is that on your point, Tuma, you said that, you know, it's not, you can't imagine it's fair that England, with all their money and all their number of players and teams and that, they can have the same restrictions as you know Lebanon, but I think what the that, that level of what world rugby is asking of ten teams uh, and national team is the basics of mm. what they feel a team a nation could uh, should have mm. to be sustainable for them to maybe develop uh, on a national team level because it, say for example, we get to division two or we get to Division 1, but we've only got three clubs in Lebanon, or two clubs, yeah. and all of a sudden our domestic yeah. league, if one team falls out, mm. that's our domestic season over. And then if on our national scale, what happens then? Well, we go to Division 2, then Division 3, and then Division 4, and that's not good for everyone. Now, England, for example, they're Tier 1. So I'm sure being a Tier 1 nation, there's only Ten. how many yeah. Tier 1 nations are there? 10? 
yeah. So those tier one nations have probably have a strict guidelines to be tier one, and the same for the people that's tier two. And the people that tier two are probably thinking, why can't we be tier one? We've got all this or this, but there's probably like, yeah, but you need this, 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 this. So it, it, it's only fair as we go, mm. as we keep going down the list. It's not, it's not like we have the same. Uh, we, we, we require the same criteria as England. No, I'm saying I think it's much, much, much more. And I think it's doing us a favour by saying, listen, if you want to be full world rugby, you just got to have ten teams. Like it doesn't matter how they do it. I think there's some, I think there's some wiggle room on how to do it because I can't, res- I can't. I, I'm sorry, but I don't think. Teams like Fiji no, or Tonga or Samoa have a ten well, league team every single yeah, year. It, maybe Fiji or things. Teams like you know Guam. I've seen Guam or Uruguay members. Have they got ten team league? Yeah, exactly. I think I think I think they if they split it up into like I think it's ten teams in total. So if you've got four men's teams and then you've got three women's teams and then oh, you've got right, two okay. or three junior teams, that class is a ten. I think, I think here, it's here all we, of it combined. Look I think it's just a ten two, league two, team. Two, two ways. Uh, if you look at countries like Iran, uh, where, for example, here in the region, Iran they have, I think, around seven teams in every district, uh, in every uh, not district, in every region playing rugby. So they have a lot of teams in Iran, uh, and they have many teams playing sevens, women's rugby, junior rugby. They have a very good uh, local program mm-hmm. for for rugby, and they have, I think, more than ten thousand players in in Iran playing rugby. Uh, uh, the, yeah, but they're, they're... that's good. They realize that Syria. Well, Syria is no, like no, that. They as only well. have, I think, uh, I have think like uh, three, teams. four teams uh, with Syria. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, uh, they have two two women's team. But women's teams as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even Jordan, even Jordan, they have they only have two women's team. Really. But if you look at Iran, for example, okay. they have a very nice local success story, but they have failed to uh, to uh, to. To, to, to go on a higher level internationally. They meet all the requirements. So here we go back to, to one question that we need to address. Uh, do we go for an international success that can bring local success at a later stage because you will have a good exposure where people will go and say, oh, Lebanon Rugby is doing a very good job internationally. I am very interested to join a rugby school or I'm very interested to learn ab- about the game. I think this is something that we also need to, to, look, to look for. Uh, any program that will have, uh, that will be implemented, needs to be also hand-in-hand hand or uh, working parallel with the, a good international program. You can't just say, uh, one of the, of the problems that we had in the last two years that we, we were just focusing on maybe, or what we, were, we wanted to focus on developing the game locally, that we said, we don't really care about what happens internationally, we need to develop the, the game locally. Uh, I think this go, uh, should go hand in hand. You see basketball in Lebanon. Uh, basketball, they had the money, they had the exposure. When, they, uh, when the teams here started to play very good in Asia, in Asia uh, basketball, when the national team was, uh, was playing in the World Cup, and when they started winning uh, the Asian Games, uh, started winning regional tournaments here, everyone wanted to be involved in, in basketballs. We, you started seeing a lot of basketball schools around the country, and it became a success story. And then a lot of uh, companies wanted to inject money in, in basketball because everyone was interested in the country to, to, to play basketball. 25 years ago, when I was just 10 years, uh, I didn't, we didn't really play basketball anywhere. We were only playing football everywhere here in Lebanon. Suddenly, everyone wanted to jump on the bandwagon. Everyone wanted to play basketball. You see a lot of schools implemented a basketball program and a lot of academies rise in, in Lebanon. So I think any program should be working you know, in parallel between a very successful story for implementing mm-hmm. and working on a dev- development uh, program in Lebanon and also on international team. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Like, we definitely it should definitely go hand in hand. And I'd like to think we've been quite successfully on the international yeah. stage. I think we've punched well above our weight. Um, but yeah, we need to also capitalize on that and, and bring through the development. But definitely not. Yeah, of just course. Sacrifice one for the other. Yeah, I think I think the biggest issue with you know trying to compete, well, not compete. 
But what it is something yeah. with basketball and football, it's just because they're such two big global sports. And the thing is, the, the schools that we're in, the Jamhur, the IC, the ACS, the Bremena, they're built around American or English or French system, where in their sports uh, curriculum, it's football and basketball. Um, so it, it, it's, it's much heavily influenced in their, in their uh, normal standard of physical education. Uh, so it's so hard to try and compete with that. And because there's so much exposure to football and basketball and it's and there's an opportunity of professional rugby, um, sorry, professional basketball and professional football in the country. It might have it's much easier for people to uh, be excited about that than just a sport uh, like rugby that's played by only a, a couple of schools, only a couple of hundred people in the country. Yeah, but I, and, I mean, you know, listen, if, if really we try to implement, I had an idea a couple of years ago. And uh, if you try to implement like an exchange program for uh, rugby, where you can send someone from Lebanon to play for one semester in a, in a school or in a, in a university in a country around Lebanon, I think that's a motivation for a lot of people to join the game. If, if we start, you know, implementing these small rules where we communicate better with other federations and we work on programs, it doesn't have to be something fantastic or with England rugby or with uh, French uh, rugby. Just have maybe to be with the Greek rugby, so something on our level, not punching above, above our level. Yeah. It's not all, only about sending someone to play in, uh, in, in England or in Fr France where they go and play Division 5. And you know what I mean. They need to go and play somewhere. If we work on an exchange program for universities where we can send athletes yeah. to play somewhere in, in, in a country nearby Lebanon and just, you know, uh, take a course there. These programs can be implemented easily. They do it everywhere uh, in Europe. They do it everywhere in, in the U.S. So why not maybe... This is a very big motivation for people to join the game because if you send five, ten, ten guys every, every semester to go and play rugby abroad where they can stay at the, the university dorms and, you know, have their meals covered or something like that. It doesn't cost a lot of money, but it's benefits where you bring in maybe 100 players and then you filter them to have 10 players every semester will bring a lot of people who are interested to uh, have this experience. I think these small programs ha will have a very good effect on the... Uh, on the level of rugby in Lebanon and on the develop development of, of rugby in Lebanon. These are the types of programs that I think we need to start implementing and looking at along with the development that we are doing because they make the difference. Yeah, right. Well, thanks, Bob, for you know, coming on. I know it's, we've took like an hour of your time now, and I know it's during Ramadan. You saved me from eating chance to unwind so we appreciate you coming on and telling us a little bit more about what you do yeah no worries about that thank you guys for having me today oh, i'm I sure you'll still go back to it don't about worry. my great here, but uh, it's fine i feel, I feel like, a pleasure man thank you i feel like we could go all night we'll have to get you we'll have to get you back on sorry next time next like time we have to get you back on. I feel like we go all night. Am I uh, going on a, to be hosted for another episode when you have more viewers later on? <laughs> we'll, call, we'll call you back. Okay. Yeah, hundred percent. Okay, no problem. Give us two. Give us two more weeks until when we, we, when we hit double. Kareem told me you're at sixty now. Yeah. You. <laughs> Yeah. I know. Just put my picture. Just put my picture on the podcast. After, after and... you, that, that, those numbers are going to go triple easily. Yeah. Well, if you... I'll just show the ham. I'll show the hammer. Just put this out on your Twitter, Bob. Yeah. Okay. Then we'll have, we'll have hundreds more people. Thank you, guys. Yalla, have a nice evening. Bye, bye, guys. Bye. bye. All right, Bobby. Thank Thanks you, for that, bro. See you soon. Bye, bye. Take it easy. You too. Bye. So yeah, that was Bob. If there's very interesting, yeah, I feel like I could, could have asked that, more and it? kept going about what's your know, future, you know, about how they're going to play, come back, have COVID 19 and stuff like that. But I guess we can always get them back on again. What's that? You know, I was disappointed, man. You, you want you were dying to get, get get someone to say something about the board or someone I to say something. I was dying. 
No, because yeah, I, no, I want to. Because there's obviously a few people I know. Because I, I, I have no problem yeah. saying it on the podcast. And I don't mind saying it to them. Because mm. I've told them to yeah. them, the people that I have a problem with. So I don't care. Um, so I, do, I would have liked to have his, his opinion on it. But the fact that he didn't bring it up was... Or he, did, he actually said quite early on, like, no. I'm not going to say anything about anyone. So... He made it quite clear that he's not it's in not, it for that. Not, yeah, so, I guess it's not his place enough, to be there, course, I suppose, you know, for you. No, it's not. It's um, right. Yeah. It's very right. interesting. So, if, if any yeah, of our six, 60 listeners um, are, you know, interested in sponsoring well, or, you know, they have to get millions. 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 60 million. They don't. 60 million listeners. Um, but the one thing that I found that was interesting is that, yes, the money is important. The most, but I think... Well, I think that we both agreed on it. I think all three of us agreed on it is that if mm. you don't have the right people involved, if you don't have the right coaches, the right competence of people on yeah, the ground, exactly. all the money is useless. It's useless. You know, look at Australia rugby. They, they didn't have a lot of money. I'm sure they, well, they have more money than most nations, but they're bankrupt now. They're on the verge of declaring bankruptcy and ending like USA because mm. they've got the wrong people leading the way. It's not because they haven't got the talent. It's not because they haven't got the talent as players or the talent as coaches. They've got yeah, the wrong I people feel like organising just... things. And if we're not no. careful, we're going to get that into that direction. Even without the money, we're, like, we're just going the direction of no one wants to be a part of it. It'll get to a point where Bob will be like, oh, I don't want to be a part of this board because I'm trying mm. to do this and no one really wants to do anything. Or as forward might be in the same situation. Um, I know I've been like that when I... I've put myself yeah. forward uh, time and time and time again for doing something with the national team or under yeah. 18 and under 20. I've been turned down time and time again. It's the same again. thing with me when me and Tarek tried multiple to reasons. You know, start doing all the social media and stuff like that. We just wanted to do it off our own backs and people, you know, start complaining about it and it's just like, oh, well, if no one's appreciating this, I'm not going to do it anymore. You know, we were, it might sound something like something small, but things like that, you know, just getting exposure and followers and people to see it around the world. Little thing for nothing, and we were just doing it for fun. But oh. yeah, exactly. You know, and and I think the argument with a lot of people is, no. well, you can't make people doing it. They're not doing it. They're not getting paid. They're volunteer. They're, they're volunteers, mm. so you can't make them do it. But it's like, hold on. If they're gonna volunteer, at least, and you're gonna put them in a certain position that gives them some sort mm. of power, at least make them credible, or at least make them someone that's willing to do every option to make Lebanon succeed or listen to every opinion to make Lebanon succeed. You know, you can't just say, oh, well, he's doing it for free, so mm. we have to keep him around. It's like, well, that's not fair. Well, find someone out and put, just put it out there. Like, have you, I, I haven't seen any post on Lebanon Facebook group or Instagram page saying, we need this position filled. Mm. It doesn't pay. We accept volunteers. You know, you, you might never know. You might have a guy who's got, doing his coaching badges in England, play at a decent level, wants to spend a year overseas. He says, listen, I'll come and coach for free um, if you can find some accommodation. There's hundreds of people in Lebanon who's part of Lebanon rugby who knows someone who knows someone who has an apartment or a spare room that they could yeah. give for like for $200 or $300 a month. And that person could get that money or earn $500 a month working in a bar, you know, just mm. a cash in hand with someone who owns a bar. Like, Finnans has, like, 16 bars, don't they? You know, they could find them a job as doing something there and getting, like, $500 a month, or this person could, you know, help there. Like, if you put it out there, you've got a variety. You can't just say, well, mm. this person came I feel to like us, it would only so take a handful of them. good people, motivated people, it's, to it's that... make a real difference. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, but yeah, no, very interesting. It's good to have mm. him on uh, on the on the podcast, and he'll definitely be back. Yeah, that's um, good. yeah. tomorrow we've got Laurent Zanoum, so mm. he's going to be coming to us and talking us a bit about Jean Paul, um, his uh, his story in rugby from Lebanon to Canada, back to Lebanon, and what he's doing with uh, with the Jean Paul women team as well. So that'll be interesting to hear what he has to say. Um, yeah, I want to hear this Anything story, mate. You want to about me? It, it better be good. The story you've been wanting to tell what story? me. Wow, well, I'll tell you what. It's, well, it's, now you've got <laughs> my expectations of it, it's not going to be that good. Um, so, three days ago, well, hmm. it, wasn't, it, started, it started off a month ago. A month ago or so. I was sitting on the couch 
and I was watching TV, my feet up, and I see something in the corner of my eye. <laughs> in the corner of my eye, I see a mouse. I can imagine you panicking. It's a scary thing. I saw a mouse come out of a... Mate, I froze. I saw a mouse coming from like this little hole next to the washing machine and yeah. go into the bathroom and go into the hole behind it. I was like, I'm going to burn the house down. I'm going to move country. I was like, I hope they got insurance. It, it's, I'm burning it down. Um, so the next concierge. day, I spoke to the concierge. And I was just like, listen. The concierge, oh the, the, concierge the porter of the building. <laughs> the concierge, the porter so of the building. Level. To say, listen, yeah. man, you got you got to fill these holes in. So he said, no, they, they came and filled the holes in. All good. No problem. Three days ago, four days ago, I'm sitting down and um, on the couch, and I see another mouse. I was like, are you kidding me? All these holes are filled up. What's going on? So I was like, okay, I'm going to try and catch it here. You know, when I say catch it, I mean throw a hairbrush at it or something. Um, and it kept running under the fridge, under the cupboard, you know. And, I'm, and I, so it got to a point, I was like, okay. I'm just going to try and get to sleep tonight. Tomorrow, I'm going to get some mouse traps and figure it out. Mm. So I go to Wilco and get a mouse trap. Like a, like a cartoon, um, like a cartoon so I, I mouse put the trap. Mouse trap like, down, with the, with put the some flips or just like this sticky pad thing. Well, yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. No, well, the thing is, I wanted to get the glue one and the, and kit, like, or the trap one to kill it. But I was speaking to like, uh-huh. you know, I was speaking to Steve yeah. and he was like, well, that's not very humane. He's like, just put it outside. Like, catch it and put it outside. You know, made me feel guilty and stuff. Um... So I um, got a, just one that, it's like a, what's it called? It's, it's like a, uh, what's, the, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the sticky, not the sticky ones. I forgot what I was, forgot the word I was looking for. No, it's, anyway, it's, it's like, they have oh, a little okay. ramp inside, it eats the yeah, cheese yeah. and it locks like it inside, but it can breathe and it stays yeah. alive. So I put that down. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I put that down and I'm, so, and I, Decided to watch it because it only comes out at night, obviously. Um, so I'm there, eight o'clock. I turned the TV on mute, wait for it. And it came out, came close to the cheese, close to the base, sniffed it around. Smart, smart. Went back under the closet. I was like, okay, fine. It's getting a taste of it. Smart one. He, he's, it's not his first mousetrap. Um, so he comes out again. Yeah. And he just wouldn't take the bait. So I was like, okay, well, I've got to figure something out. So, <laughs> just imagine you so that was smart. He goes now, into like the bathroom. And he... <laughs> Mate, I, he was mugging me off. I was like, this guy's got the best of me, yeah? He goes into the bathroom, realises there's no hole there. So he starts starting to scratch on the wall bad to try and enough. make a new hole. So I start running towards him like a cat, <laughs> like... I'm, I'm walking. I'm, walk, I'm, I'm running to him like a cat, like... And he comes running towards me. I'm like, what the fuck's he doing this? So I jump out the way. He runs back under the cupboard. So in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, well, what's happened here is we've obviously yeah. closed up the hole and he's been stuck inside. He's just been stuck inside. He hasn't been getting out. So this was got to about nine o'clock now. So I've been this when me back and, and forth, me and him, gonna like, headbutting each other for an hour. <laughs> so I was just... <laughs> he's sat next to me now. <laughs> He's got his feet on the couch. He's got all the cheese that he wants. He's got a game, uh, some Parmesan, like any of the best. <laughs> um, anyway, so I was just like, okay, I've got to get him out. I stayed up, no word of a lie, till 4 a.m. 4 a.m., like six hours, I was figuring out how to get him out. I started off by, you know, bringing the bait closer to him. I started putting peanut butter on the floor. I started putting, you know, a little, I like open my bag and put peanut butter towards the bag. So he goes in the bag and then I close the bag. I was doing everything. And then, then I thought, and then I was like, <laughs> like I'm just going to open the door. <laughs> <laughs> so there, three o'clock in the morning, 3.30 in the morning. He's under the couch at this point, which yeah. is close to the door. I open the door. I stand on top of the steps, the stairs like towards my bedroom. And I'm looking over the door. Uh, and I see him, he's like sniffing out. He comes to the doorway. He sees that he's got some freedom. He takes a step outside. I was like, <laughs> what, like under the door? He throws the door, he runs back in. He runs, oh. Yeah, runs back in through the yeah. door before I close it. Like, you know how quick my star. <laughs> he loves you, mate. No. Yeah, mate. Yeah, last year. So I'll finish it off yeah. real quickly. 
I mean, so, I mean anticipation, like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, so, so he's so run back through the door. The he's run back through the door. He's under the couch now. So they, they, now it's it's getting hot and heavy. And I'm shouting at him. He's cursing at me. He, he said, hey, I'm fucking leaving. I'm saying you are leaving. So we're going back and forth. It's a bit of banter. It's a bit of banter. And so I open up the door one more time. He goes out. I close it. And that's it. He left. <laughs> and now I miss him. <laughs> now I leave the door open when Tom I sleep. Hoping that he comes back. <laughs> leaving the door open when you sleep. Yeah, so yeah, that's a story then. That was interesting. Yeah, that was good. We uh, had them yeah. in uni, mate. We put traps out and stuff. Killed them, did you? Yeah, I regret it now. We had the little mouse traps that just wake up in the, or you just hear like a little slap in the night, and you wake up and then it's just this little mouse blessing and caught in the trap. That's another good episode, mate. Look forward to uh, getting Lauren on tomorrow. Good episode all about Lebanon rugby. Um, speak to you tomorrow, mate. Ta-ra.